0: Welcome to another episode of Total R&B Podcast with Lorena. We talk about all things R&B and I get to interview the latest upcoming veterans, new everything in between artists and R&B. And today I'm super happy because I'm getting to interview somebody who is super talented. He does almost everything. He is a Grammy Award winning artist, singer, songwriter. He's a guitarist, uh, also an actor as well who has written for a number of artists, and he got to play uh, the American jazz and R&B guitarist Cornell Dupree in Genius Aretha, which is super dope, and we're going to talk about that a little later. So welcome to the Total R&B Podcast, Cameron Corvey. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm great. I'm so happy um, to talk to you. I've been following your career i'm going to get into that how i discovered your music and everything and we'll get into that but the first question that i like to ask my guest is if you can recall not the first time you heard R&B music but what is your first memory of RB music
1: mm, i have a couple of i have a couple of them i don't know which one yeah. came first but um i would say it was christmas uh and <laughs> My uncles, well, a little bit of backstory at me. I grew up in a city where without extended family for my fir- the first like nine or ten years of my life. So my concept of family was just my nuclear family. So uh, one Christmas, my uncles uh, sent us like a video uh, of them lip syncing um, a song for Christmas. It was it was uh, Donny Hathaway's This Christmas. And, you know, they were dressed in Christmas gear and everything like that. So in addition to the visual, um, it was the song and the vocal of Donny Hathaway that really, like, moved me. The song made me feel good. So, yeah, probably probably one or two. That was probably one or two.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that it includes, like, that memory of family in there. Yeah. And that's such a classic song. So, yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. And then you are from Cincinnati, Ohio, but your family is from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Were you born there or you were born in in Ohio?
1: I was born in uh, Baton Rouge and then I grew up in Ohio. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then you went to school in Atlanta.
1: Yes. So
0: all those places, do they influence your music a bit?
1: Definitely. Uh, I don't know about Baton Rouge as much as Baton Rouge influenced me in a different way because I listened to a lot of uh, radio in the in the car going to and from school. So my parents' choice in radio stations influenced me a lot as a little kid in Baton Rouge. I would say Cincinnati influenced me tremendously when it comes to being exposed to live musicianship and and being able to spread my wings, both from learning the The mechanics of singing from studying um, voice and and singing classical music, but at the same time, being able to go to places like church, get that live music experience. Um, I have a very musical family. So, you know, just being able to kind of see music in a bunch of different ways. I have a lot of aunts and uncles, cousins. so. If my mom was ever to, doing something or my dad was and we were with one of our family members, they all had a different taste in music. So sitting in the back seat and listening to, you know, the different musical vibes that my family members uh, had for them. And then Atlanta, of course, um, you know, coming down here for school. So you're so really, you know, like you're so influenced by a lot of different things, especially when you're meeting people from different parts of the country. Um, But then at the same time, Atlanta has its own musical history, which, you know, is, is very rich. But at the same time, there's a Southern connotation to it, you know, so you don't get one without the other. So it's a different way of doing things, a different way of saying the same thing. So I learned a lot more about how to deliver a message, you know, as a songwriter, but then also as a singer, if I was singing somebody else's song. How do I want to deliver that in a in a way that's gonna to translate to this particular audience that I have?
0: No, that's cool. And that's really important too to make a song your own if you're gonna do someone else's song. Cause a lot of times people want to copy it like exactly and start it instead of making it their own. So I think that's dope. And then your parents, like what kind of music were they listening to in the car? What do
1: you uh remember? my my dad? just to keep us calm or whatever in the backseat. He would he would always just play pop, just top 40. Okay. So that's where a lot of my pop influence has come. And when I say pop influence, I mean from uh, a songwriting standpoint. Like I like being able to tell a story with a song, but I like it to be able to translate from a rhythm standpoint, from a melodic standpoint, so it could be memorable. Those are things that I got from listening to pop music. Um, my dad also listens to a lot of uh, old, you know, not, not old school but classic 70s like stuff, you know, the Commodores and Ooh, Earth, yeah. Wind, and Fire, and uh, you know, the, the Shy Lights and the Dells and all those, all those groups. Um, my mom, uh, she listened to a lot of Donnie Hathaway, uh, she was a Johnny H- Mathis fan, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, she. She really didn't, you know, I think they gave us freedom of just gravitating to what we, whatever we liked, but it was just a wide variety of stuff that was being played, you know, like the late eighties, early nineties, mid eighties even, there was just a lot more of diversity that was given a platform to be huge. You get yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Indie and all of that type of stuff that 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 we gravitate towards to now used to get way more uh, of an opportunity to be widespread and and heard by the masses back in the 80s it was like everybody did everything the weirder the better you know <laughs> yeah. so you know I just got a whole lot of that by listening to pop radio because Stevie Wonder would be on pop radio and Michael Jackson would be on pop radio and George Michael and you know Prince and Madonna and Janet and you know the barge it was just all all existing in one place which is my concept of of music um as a as a creative entity and also what i would like to see as a as an advocate for uh, artists and songwriters and creatives
0: definitely definitely and then so how did you get into music like becoming an artist uh
1: i think i always wanted to perform in some way um i grew up performing um we pretty much did it all in my household, you know, uh, but we started leaning towards different creative pursuits as we got older, but I definitely have acted in my share of plays and musicals and, you know, skits. Um, I've also uh, played and and that type of thing. So um, getting into music was just about which art form was going to draw me into it the most. And I think I felt, I felt the most like me, or that I could express myself the most through music. So that's what really um, drove me. There was a certain freedom about singing and creating, and and having people respond to something that you know you created in your head. You know, it just makes it makes you feel a particular type of way. Um, having a very musical family just really just made me feel like I had the right. You know, a lot of times people of color we struggle with what our right. Our our rights are, you know, in general, including what we have a right to pursue and what we have a right to, to choose to to uh, be our career goals. You know, like a lot of, there are a lot of Black people who because they were the first or second generation to be able to go to college, they had to go to college. They had to become a doctor, a lawyer, nurse, whatever. Um, that freedom really wasn't afforded to all of us. And I think um, for me, like being around a musical family just made music just at my fingertips at all times. So I didn't feel like it was a, a lofty goal to try to do it, but there was still a plan that had to be kind of put in place and, and life experiences. And I think the the strong foundation of education and everything allowed me to be able to navigate the music industry pretty good so far.
0: Okay, and you mentioned you come from a musical family. So were they like performing, they were singers or they like played instruments?
1: Everything, like, yeah. Like we, we so I uh, belonged to um, a church um, and like literally in the church, my grandmother played the the keys and was the choir director. My cousin played the organ. My uncle played the bass. My other cousin played the drums. All my aunts and all my aunts sang in the choir. My grandfather drove the church bus. My uncle was like one of the pastors. So it was just, you know, it was like, it was like church, but it was like our home, you yeah. know? Uh, so You know, we just had, I just had access at all times. Being at choir rehearsal was, was hanging out with my family. It wasn't really something that I had to be at, but I knew if I want, I knew there was a possibility to see my cousin if I went to choir rehearsal. So it was just like the music would be playing and the rehearsal would be happening. So those norms, uh, when it comes to performing and practice and everything were just natural for me to adopt because of who I was around.
0: Okay. So then same thing with the guitar. So that probably came natural as well. Yeah, as well. I
1: mean, I taught myself how to play and 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 more or less it was uh, everyone played everything else. Okay. Uh, nobody played, you know, lead guitar or acoustic guitar, which was really the first interest, instrument for me. So that was the thing. I'm like, you know, I want to play the acoustic because I don't need an amplifier. I could carry it around wherever I, I need, you know. I could do it anywhere and I could write. It's It made sense. It was like my you know, people have spirit animals. It was like my spirit instrument, you know, the instrument that as a songwriter, I can always come up with ideas too. So I, I identified that early and I just wanted to be able to have enough of a command of it in order to create my own songs from scratch.
0: Okay. So I'm gonna move ahead just a little bit because I discovered your music during the pandemic. So what happened was I love Brian Michael Cox. That's one of my <laughs> favorite producers. So I'm usually, well, back then a lot, I was in Love Zone, which if anybody listening does not know, Brian would get on Instagram live and he would DJ, he would play music, but it would start at like super late, like three o'clock in the morning, all the way up until like 6am. Crazy hours, but he will play all this R&B music. And one of the songs that he played, which is now like a Love Zone classic, is NU by Cameron Corvette. And mm-hmm. he would ask us like to tag you, bring you in the chat, and you would come in and you would speak to us and respond to you know what we were saying and how much we love the song and everything. So did you know Brian before that? Is that someone you worked with before?
1: Yeah, I've known Brian for quite a while actually. Um, and, you know, one of the benefits of being in Atlanta and one of the reasons why I moved down here was just to be able to have the possibility of mixing it up with people who were, uh, you know, doing things, you know, active, you know, in the music community, not just locally, but n- known around the world and everything like that. So you kind of start off coming down here and you're just like, man, I just need to be impressed with every opportunity that I get to perform and the rest. Will kind of happen. And it kind of does happen that way. You know, it's harder to stay unattached okay. the longer you go because people want to grab you and bring you into a click or, or that type of thing, and which can work and sometimes it cannot work. But um, Brian was somebody that I always just used to end up bumping into. Um, and uh, as I continued to do music and, and continue to grow, um, the more we were bumping into each other more and more, you know? Um, so we had an opportunity to work, um, we still do work, but we had been working before that actually on some Usher records and some other projects or whatever the case may be. So um, yeah, you know, I interviewed him for um, like a, I was doing kind of like an Instagram live interview series back in the early part of the pandemic. And I interviewed him and he, and we were talking about Love Zone and I just, I just felt like in you would work, you know, uh, and I didn't know if he would even play it. You know, he's a busy guy. A lot of people, yeah. you know, reach out to him, but I ended up tuning in that night, the first night he played it, and the response just—I mean, for what the pandemic was in 2020 for all of us, as an as an artist who was independent and didn't have a deal, you know. The pandemic was really impactful for those people who were like really just out here hustling and grinding. So it represented a moment to still be a, uh, an opportunity to still be attached to the world at large musically, even as an independent. So I appreciate um, that opportunity, and I still tune in every now and again. I may yeah. be up, and he may be on, and you know, it's just cool just to tap in with him and everything like that. But yeah, B Cox is my guy.
0: Well, how does that feel? Because, like, he didn't play it just once. Like, (laughs) he played it all the time. And then the other day, I I logged in on Twitch to listen to him. And he's like, we're playing all classics. And, of course, he had to play that because that's a Love Zone classic. So to have somebody like that really support your record and support you as an artist, like, what does that mean to you?
1: It means everything because um, people in the music industry they become hollywood you know they they forget that nobody just made themselves hot somebody gave you an opportunity and i think they don't understand by and large the concept of paying it forward you know it's social media is free you know we've monetized it we've made it mean something to us but it shouldn't mean so much to us that we aren't willing to support people that we think are talented, people that we know are good people and deserve um and deserve a shot. So, uh Brian has always represented a conduit between what's coming and what's already there, you know, and I think he's taken pride in that and it's just been natural for him. He's always been a always been a stand-up guy, you know, no matter what level you're on, he's the same, he acts the same. So, um, it meant a lot for me, for somebody of his stature to support me in a public way. Like mm-hmm. he's always thought I was dope, but it's like you don't always get an opportunity for somebody to speak highly about you or or do something that shows their level of support. So the fact that he would play it, you know, and play it and play it and play it and people would request it. And, yeah. you know, that that that's definitely been a shining moment over the course of the last couple of years.
0: I don't know. Uh, to me, it was. It was beautiful to see that and for me to discover new music because I'm from I'm from Montreal. So a lot of times if there's artists in the US or in Atlanta or different things like that, sometimes I don't always, you know, get to hear them or discover them or what have you. So I found during the pandemic I got to discover a lot of new artists. And so you were one of them. And I was so happy. So Dude. that also brings me to your EP that I got to check out because I wanted to know more about this person. And you're single and you, and then I found out you had an EP that you released in 2020 uh, called Kathy's Basement, which is super dope. So please people check it out. It's on every streaming platform. So you can go and take a listen. So I wanted to know though, like what, who's, what is Kathy's Basement? Like where did that name come
1: from? Um, So Kathy is my mom's name. And uh, during the pandemic, you know, there was that, initial fear you know of for a lot of people had fears about their loved ones you know parents anybody who was high risk you know for complications for for COVID. so during that time period kathy's basement was a project that i had been working on but i kind of stalled working on it and uh in you was like the tester record for that project and like right when I was like revving up to start doing something with the, the pandemic hit, you know? So I just started being really introspective and thinking about my mom, wondering if I was gonna be able to see her again. Um, and I just always wanted to give my mom a basement cause we grew up without a basement. And, and it was like the thing that she always envisioned for a, our, us in our dream house to have this basement and we'd be able to do whatever we wanted to do at that point. So the concept became, you know, I'm gonna give my mom this virtual basement and 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 more than that, what I would be doing if we would have had it, which would have been having a band and jamming and everything like that. So that's that's where the concept uh came from. You know, I wanted to give her something, memorialize her in, in some way, you know, give her her flowers musically, um, you know, during that time. So it was a it was a great experience. And I played the guys on that project the musicians on that project are amazing amazing musicians so it represents a good time in the studio that we had where we just got together and you know had some had some drinks and and some food and just you know bonded over music one night so it was cool
0: oh that's dope well that's beautiful the meaning behind um the ep and then who are some of the musicians that you worked with on this
1: uh, Daryl Freeman, uh, amazing bass player. Maxwell, Glenn, Glenn Lewis. Uh, shoot, a lot of different folks. Uh, amazing, amazing bass player. Um, Little John Roberts, who is a drummer, uh, longtime drummer for Janet Jackson. George Duke, Neo, Prince. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. Stevie Wonder. Um, that's like my big bro. Um, and then uh, Bruce Robinson is on guitar. Guitarist for Fantasia he's actually uh, more on the on the ministerial side of things now so more on the gospel side of things and then uh, it was kind of everything was kind of overseen by Pierre Madour who's an amazing producer he's produced for Usher, produced for Rick Ross, he's produced I mean for Mario, O'Marion. like you know uh he's done a lot of a lot of cool things a lot of cool things so we all have known each other mm-hmm. you know and it's like you see each, you see people walking around, you bump into them at shows, but then getting together and working with them is like a real is a real treat because you know you can just connect. And it's how it kind of it's kind of how we connect and thrive. We thrive off of one another, you know. Um, so it was it was a good experience, and um, I'm looking forward to like getting those guys back in the studio and doing some more stuff.
0: No, that would be great because the EP was like really good. So I really enjoyed myself. But I think that happens, too, when you get together with people and it's just, like, a really good vibe, like, good energy all around. I think that produces just, like, really good music. You know, yeah. the Outcome comes out great. And you had mentioned before, like, uh, working with Brian, like, doing stuff on, on different projects. So I do know that you write for people as well. So who are some people that you've gotten the chance to write for?
1: Uh, I've written for... Um... Gosh, a lot of indies and, and and some known artists as well. Actually, um, written for Tony Braxton. Um, I've written for Sting, and Shaggy. Um, I actually wrote a single and composed a single that what ended up being the start of uh, a relationship between those guys as as artists. But also, we created this album called Four Four Eight Seven Six, which was my grand introduction as a songwriter to the music industry, and we album won a grammy it was a great time uh avery sunshine who is uh indie r b soul just amazing amazing artist. um an international artist named mr Probs uh he had a big record called waves he and i have known each other for years um angie stone uh case you know I've i've had a chance it's been interesting. I've had a chance to work with people that I listened to, you know, growing up and at different moments in my, in my uh, trajectory. So it's never seemed like work. It's always just been, you know, an amazing experience, like thinking about like Angie Stone, for example. I mean, listening to Mm -hmm. D'Angelo, huge influence of mine and listening to Angie, you know, in her own right. But the appreciation for her as a songwriter and as an artist and as someone who kind of really helped the, the the soul, the new soul movement kind of get its boost um, in the late 90s. Working with her was just like, I mean, you know, uh, just yeah. awe inspiring for me, you know?
0: Yeah. But is there somebody that you have, haven't worked with that you hope to work with in the future?
1: I mean, that's a good question. I, I think I'd I maintain this uh, bucket list of artists that I would always love to work with. I'd love to work with Sade, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think I would like to work with um, her as well. You know, sometimes I kind of steer away from artists that are heavy, heavy in the spotlight mm-hmm. um, because you can sometimes you lose yourself creatively when you're just running around, you know, all the time. So I definitely would love to work with some of the, some more of the greats like seal would be amazing to work with Lenny Kravitz probably at the top of the list. Uh, John Mayer, you know, guitar, you know, when you're working with people who you admire, you're really like in class, you know, it almost feels unfair because you're learning, you know, but, but it's an opportunity for you as well. So, um, yeah, definitely those. I mean, I'm sure there are others I, that I can't maybe like think of. All the hip-hop dudes. like I love hip-hop. It's, it's my thing. So uh, any of those guys I would love to work with as well. You know, Andre 3000, Erica Badu, I mean, Kanye. I would love to work with Kanye. So, you know, all, all of that.
0: Well, I think, I think it's going to happen because even the way that you got your song to uh, Shaggy and Sting, was pretty incredible so I don't know if you want to share that story on how you wrote a song and then it just kind of got into the hands of someone else who introduced it to someone else and you could obviously explain it better
1: yeah uh so in essence the song started here uh in Atlanta I was just sitting on my floor Sunday afternoon one of those days where you really don't have any any cares in the world I have a tendency to write about the rougher side of romance or love just because that's what my experience the majority of my experience has been you know Uh, however I think that you know it's I mean I think love is the most powerful thing out here so if you can tap into that and write about it effectively I think you could be you know have a great career as a songwriter so it was really a challenge to myself to, to write something that was loving that got to the point that You know, wasn't too many words. I really was just trying to make sure I could get something succinct. And um, I ended up composing and writing a chorus for a song and writing some other parts as well. And, um, you know, just in a random exchange, I exchanged um, the idea with another producer that I know who uh, went to Morehouse with me. He added a little bit to it. And then he happened to be talking to someone who's a songwriter, who's a collaborator of Shaggy's. That guy heard it. He added a little bit to it, gets it to Shaggy. Shaggy loves it, but, you know, it's an incomplete record at that time, but he still loves it. Song sits for about a, maybe a year and I get a random call. You know, the random call is, hey, you know, um, at the time I was going to stay, possibly going to stay on the song as the singer as well as a featured artist. And it was one of those good news and bad news conversations. And the bad news was that I wasn't going to be the artist on the song anymore. But the good news was that the artist on the song was going to be Sting. And I'm like, how did that happen? So basically Shaggy ended up with the song in L.A. working on another song that had nothing to do with this song. Uh, just in the studio and in studio breaks, that's the best time to sell a record or to get a feature or anything, because you're just in the studio and there are a bunch of different people around. And even when you're taking a break, you're still listening to music. So Sting's manager is uh, the conduit that connected uh, the song to Sting. Basically just in one of those random studio breaks where, you know, he's asking Shaggy, what are you working on currently? He's like, I've got this song. he plays a song for sting's manager and sting's manager is like man i think sting would be great for this so he sent it to sting sting like loved it and drove to the studio like 45 minutes later and that started the recording process for this song which turned into an album which turned into a tour and a grammy and all this other stuff so god was definitely like it was that it was like divine you know the whole situation but when you have a, all it takes is one of those situations for to happen for you to to believe, you know, can never question it again. I can never question, you know, the my own talent, you know, favor. I can never question that because I saw it happen, you know, uh in real life for me. Big you
0: know? artists like Shaggy is a legend. Like I've been listening to Shaggy since I was a kid. Sting is like out of this world. Like he's one of those people like, oh, he really exists. So yeah. to have those two artists take on a song that you've written, that's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And then going from just that to just winning a Grammy too, like you had yeah. no clue sitting on your floor writing that song that that's where that song is going to go. Exactly. That is super dope. Do you ever look back on all the stuff that you've like gone through and just be like, how did all this happen?
1: I do uh (laughs) um and and you know you can't got to see the forest for the trees so it's like you we tend to focus on what we haven't done a lot in our careers that begins to be the cloud hanging over us and and we tend to focus less on what we have been able to accomplish um and the the fact remains you know uh from seeing my uncle's you know, pantomime a song by Donnie Hathaway to all the points in between somewhere along the way, everything connected. And I ended up with the ability to, to, to create something um, from scratch that would, you know, go go the distance. You know, uh, it does not happen all the time. I've definitely written a lot of songs you know but it it's a testament to the fact that if you continue to do something consistently and you put your all into it every time you know it's going to happen one and two you don't have to feel like you're like you didn't deserve it when it does and that's the other part that's gratifying like i know that i put the work in so when you put the work in you can expect you know something good to happen from it and that feeling just kind of Puts you put gives you gives your soul a little bit of peace and also is a motivating factor to continue doing it, you know,
0: of course. So, yeah, well, congratulations on all those achievements because it's pretty awesome, everything that you've done in your career so far. So, I know a lot of like great things are coming up, but another super cool thing that you did was that you were in Genius, mm. uh, the Aretha Franklin uh series uh, that came out and you were a guitarist. So, how did that role come about?
1: Very randomly again. <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, it's a random Sunday afternoon again. Okay. Sunday afternoon. It might be your lucky day. Yeah. Um, Sunday afternoon. I get a I get a text, and apparently, a friend of mine who's a guitar player who was already in the in the series, as they had already started shooting he ended up being someone that they reached out to, to see if he knew any other guitar players that could potentially play this role. Um, you know, I did the introductory things like sending, you know, pictures and me playing whatever the case may be. Um, and then based on headshots and everything, I just so happened to kind of work, uh, for this role. Initially it was maybe only like two days of shooting and I'm like, cool, you know, it'd be, you know, cool to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this is like we started shooting like the week before the pandemic really like took off. Wow. So it's like I was super excited um, being on set with T.I. and Cynthia Revo and all these other people for my first like real like acting opportunity. And I'm we're like taking breaks in between shooting, and people are like talking about this pandemic, you know? <laughs> so I can't have one, like one experience without the other is it's almost impossible because they were so closely connected, but that role ended up uh, being a sustaining force for me for that, for that 2020 season. So I ended up only supposed to be shooting maybe two days. I ended up shooting like 10 days and, you know, we, we, we got suspended during the pandemic, but we picked back up that October of the pandemic. So even coming back and being on set and getting tested like every other day and having to wear a mask, like all the time and, you know, social distancing, being outside, like it was all that for, on my first like significant, you know, more significant acting role. So I think about all those things. Um, and I think about how initially it was only supposed to be a couple of days, but, you know, I felt like almost giving it my all those first couple of days. Mm-hmm. I I don't want to say I, I'm not surprised, but it was kind of like I put that energy out there in in just being around that I really wanted to be there some more time. And I ended up getting, you know, some more days. So um, the gratifying part was watching the whole thing play out, you know, because there were episodes I was not involved in. So this, to be able to see it see the rollout process and, and, you know, how the advertising is done and to watch it as a, uh, you know, a a movie watcher or whatever, you know, just, it was cool. Yeah, definitely.
0: Super dope. And were you familiar with Cornell Dupree before getting the role or did you learn about him as you were doing it?
1: I learned about him more specifically as I was doing the role, but the list of artists that he's played for, um, from Donny Hathaway to King Curtis to Aretha herself to his own thing. Like, there are plenty of songs that Cornell Dupree has been on that I had been listening to for years, but I just didn't know who it was playing the guitar, you know? So um, it was cool to do my research and to, to, uh, to see moments that we were going to be playing out in real life and to go back and find these moments on YouTube and to see Cornell Dupree in there, you know, from the Amazing Grace documentary that uh, came out on Aretha, that's Cornell Dupree, you know. Uh, and uh, her when she performed at the Fillmore, there's footage of that as well. So it's like being able to see that and then and and try to just live up to, you know, something like that is is cool. He's definitely one of the greatest session guitar players that, has been involved in R&B for sure so I was glad to be able to play him.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so from that what's a what's another role that you would love to play? Do you have anything in mind?
1: Um I would love to play Prince. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. At some point. So
0: cool.
1: it, I would love to play Prince. I mean Purple Rain is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um it's weird but Uh, Every now and again, um, there are some physical resemblances sometimes depending on the picture of the day or whatever the case may be. Um, And uh, I do feel like I could probably embody some of the things. Being a guitar player doesn't doesn't hurt. You know, being able to sing doesn't hurt. Being able to act doesn't hurt. So uh, I would rather be a guitar, a real guitar player. A real performer who 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 tried to execute something like that than anybody else. So I would gladly throw my name in the hat in order to try to make that happen. But of all the roles, I definitely would love to to do that and anything else that that came my way.
0: Well, that would be super cool. So if ever somebody puts something online, everybody, you got to put his name in in there so they yes. know who he is and that they consider him for the role. That would be super super dope. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to ask you because you did a release a single called "Who Hurt mm-hmm. You" this year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So if you can tell us what that's about, um, and then also to the the cover art because the cover art was really nice too.
1: Um. So I think a lot of times, men are usually the culprit. Maybe in relationships, if there's if there's not a mutual breakup, I'd say generally speaking there's a man that's done something and um we hear about it a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) musically and otherwise but i'm someone who the opposite has happened uh too so i just wanted to try to present that perspective um not only just as a as a guy but as a guy in this industry it's it's very tricky um to date because depends on what the preconceived notion was before everything started you know you mm-hmm. kind of have to figure out okay what does this who does this person think i really am what did they think i was when they met me and then how do i either you know affirm or you know kind of recreate that that uh perception so it's it's about the aftermath of a relationship when people are always trying to talk about why things broke up and they want to kind of keep themselves on the positive and the other person on the negative so it was just presenting the other side of the story because um, I know I've fallen short in a couple of situations. So I, uh, being inspired by that and saying, hey, but wait, what about, you know, what about this? What about you? What about these situations? So um, the artwork, um, it's a play on like fairy tale gone wrong, you know, the the prince and the storyline, you know, who who's heart is kind of waxed cold if you will so there's a lot of symbolism in there there's a purple heart uh in there that represents a couple of different things purple obviously color wise um but you know even even a purple heart you get that in in the states you get that in war when you're wounded you know so love is war that type of thing Um, uh
0: there's a lot of other
1: symbolism in there as well that that go that will lend itself to later releases. But um yeah, that was kind of the, the overall gist was kind of like Fairy Tale Prince, you know, that story kind of gone gone wrong, if you will.
0: No, but I think that's the beautiful thing about music because we get everybody's perspective on things, right? Because nothing just goes just one way. And it is right, true yeah. in a lot of um especially R and B songs, it's usually like the man did us wrong we're crying. Dah, 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 dah. So now to see another perspective, it's also good too, because there's going to be a bunch of people that are going to relate to that because unfortunately, you know, each side gets hurt. Yeah. So I think that's good. Um, cause speaking of that too, like I know division just released their song. If I cheat, that has been very yeah. controversial. So yeah. <laughs> this- nothing wrong with a little
1: controversy, right?
0: i guess not (laughs) the song yeah it's 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 out there it's it's doing its thing um but yeah so you get to just see different perspectives which i think is really important so even you know with your with your single that you have out now that everybody could go and stream so i think that's super cool and so the purple heart is this going to be a theme within like the new music that you're going to be putting out
1: Uh... oh
0: you can't say
1: I don't know that it will be a, th- a theme. I do think that, that part of like moving forward and growth is acknowledging your own tendencies.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, Some of us get so used to being hurt that we kind of create a situation for us to be hurt in mm-hmm. so that we can, because we thrive in some way when we're hurt. So for me, I can't say that there hasn't been some self-sabotage involved in my own personal, you know, romantic exploits or whatever the case may be. But it's just the feeling that I know well. It's a feeling I identify with. It's a feeling that's produced results as a musician, but it doesn't leave you feeling fulfilled as a person. So I think, you know, understanding that life is really about responding to adversity and love and and relationships that's a it's a microcosm of life you know so responding to it means you're going to get hurt you know but it doesn't mean that you know you you lose yeah. um just because you've you've been hurt so i wouldn't say that the purple heart itself is a reoccurring thing i think i'm always trying to pay homage to the influence that that prince has been on on me so if there's a way to incorporate it somewhere so people know like you know this is who he's following this is these are the people who artistically he's aspiring to be you know in line with in the lineage of uh, artistically so yeah
0: okay and so then what is next what can we look forward to besides the single now that we should be streaming
1: what's next (laughs) Uh, you know I've been really toying around with uh, social media and some creative ways I want to kind of use it more as a platform to distribute new music instead of all the streaming platforms, because, you know, if you listen to Spotify and I listen to Apple music, we still come together commonly and watch things on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So if something is available on Instagram and that's your source or TikTok is the source uh, for the distribution, then you kind of keep everybody from going to their separate, you know, listening streaming sources and you keep them all in one place. So I'm going to be toying around with releasing some shorter songs via that platform, those platforms, but at the same time still uh, working on releasing new music. I've been working on a project for the last few years. It's an acoustic project. so um, yeah, I, uh, I'm excited about it, but you know sometimes as an artist, you get really in your own head. you want things to be completely perfect. you know if if you cough, at eight AM, then all of a sudden, oh no, I can't record today because I don't feel well. And it's like, bro, come on now. Like, let's 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 cut the excuses out. Let's let's focus and everything like that. So, I'm running around doing a lot of different things, and writing can be great, but you have to like put on a different brain almost in order to visualize speaking on the behalf of this eighteen-year-old female artist versus this. 34-year-old male artist, you get what I mean? So it can be taxing emotionally, and you just feel drained sometimes. Plus, I do a lot of performing as well. So I think some some of the personal material is taking a backseat, but um, it's really more so been understanding what the songs mean, you know? You can write a song as a great craftsman of songs. But delivering those songs still requires a certain intimacy, you know. Still requires a little bit of time to get to know the record, so that when you say this line, you say it exactly the way you want people to to understand it, you know. So, more music for sure, more content definitely. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, all of the oh, above. I can't
0: wait for the acoustic album. So I'm looking forward to that and everything else you have coming out, because I think it's really cool for you to um, be using your social media platform to release music. Because I know a lot of different artists are trying to figure it out, too, because even with streaming platforms, they don't always pay the best as well. We've gotten to see that within the last two years, that information has come out. So, yeah, that would be really interesting. So I'm going to definitely be following to see, you know, how things are being rolled out and how everything goes, because I think a lot's changing again, as always so yeah that's pretty cool and before we get into r&b trivia i did want to ask because you did say like how sometimes it can be draining you know and i think a lot of creatives um get to that point especially now when we always have to produce content people want things like really really quickly nobody really wants to wait and have people kind of like live their lives before they they put out more content so When you are drained, like what do you do in forms of like, I guess, self-care for you?
1: For me, what I'm realizing currently is I got to get out the house, first of all. Um, Getting out of the house sometimes makes people overthink because they're like, I have to be going somewhere specific to do a specific thing. And I've gotten more, I've gotten out of that. And sometimes I'll just leave and take a drive, you know? i do a lot of songwriting while i'm driving because i'm focused on the road Mm -hmm. so my my first train of thought is that functional part of my brain is focused on driving so it allows that second that that to be dedicated to driving and that second or third uh train of thought can be on writing so um i do it for that reason and also i do it so that I make it make sure it's simple enough to remember because if I'm not writing anything down at the time period and I'm just saying lines that I know I'm going to remember, then it stands to reason that somebody who listens to it on the first listen will be able to remember it as well. So, getting out of the house for sure, uh, I started to also watch things that I used to watch when I was a kid as well to just completely like wipe the slate clean. Mm-hmm. I watch, you know, a whole bunch of Pixar cartoons you know old school tv shows just different things like that and totally like take myself out of this uh out of this this i don't know what you want to call this time frame if you will and take myself to another time frame by just i might watch goonies or something you know what i mean and just by watching goonies it may be something that one of the characters says and maybe one of the songs that's being played in the movie that i never hurt or didn't remember hearing before. It could be anything, and that'll just inspire me to to work.
0: No, that's good. And that's the second time I heard that. I'm going back to, like, your childhood shows and stuff that you used to watch. So I think that's a sign that's something I'm going to have to do. But, yeah, that is the second time I heard that. So, yeah, that's that's cool. So if you're ready, we're going to get into some R&B trivia. Don't be nervous. (laughs) I have six questions for you. And we'll see how well you do. Some of them are easy. Some of them maybe not. But we'll see. So the first question is, which group, and it's multiple choice. So Oh, hey. <laughs> which group does not have a set of twins? Is it Jagged Edge, Chloe and Hallie, Cherish, or Nina Sky?
1: Oh, my. Um, Oh, my gosh. Does not have a set of twins? Yeah. Chloe and Halle.
0: That's correct. Yeah. Look at that. You got the first one right off the bat. Okay. (laughs) Second question. Which R&B female singer starred in the movies Fighting Temptation and Austin Powers Gold Member? Is it Alicia Keys? Mariah Carey, Faith Evans, or Beyonce? Beyonce. That's correct. All right, question three. Uh, The singer from Atlanta is known for her hits, Goodies, and One Two Step. Is it Carrie Hilton, Monica, Ciara, or Nivea?
1: I would say Ciara. Correct.
0: See, look how this is easy for you. This is super, super easy okay next one what is the name of boys to men's first album so your options are evolution or nathan michael sean and wanye the remedy or cooley high harmony
1: cooley high harmony
0: there you go Uh, Next question, which a member of new edition was a part of the group LSG? This is not multiple choice though. Johnny Gill. Correct. And then the last question, who was the first woman inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Do you know who that is?
1: Offhand?
0: You're connected to her
1: connected to her Mm
0: -hmm. aretha yes (laughs) there you go six out of six look at that and you were you were nervous in the beginning and you got all of them right off the bat just like that so that concludes our r&b trivia so let the people know where they can follow you what they should be doing to support cameron corvette
1: okay so you can follow me on everything um, just the name, you know, Cameron K A M E R O N. Uh, last name C O R V E T. That's on uh, Instagram, Facebook, everything. You know, I I answer all my own um, DMs. Okay. So for you, DMers, <laughs> hit me up. Um, uh, and how you can support. So I pride myself on being an artist and a creative that hasn't, uh, you know, sold my soul, you know what I mean? I like to maintain uh, my integrity so I can sleep at night. But what that does is it, it means that really the consumer is the one, the music listener is the one that's going to be able to help me the most. It's not the industry, it's the consumer, the listener. So we will be, we're all surprised at how things become a thing and how artists that we know blow up, but it's not a surprise. It's when you take two seconds, in addition to the two hours that you already spend on social media, watching things by people that you don't know and don't even care about, um, that you take those two seconds and share something of mine, you know? Share something you like. I, I I promise to give you something worth sharing at some point and, and just share it with somebody that you think would like it. That's how things happen. That's how vibes and 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 music spreads. And um I consider it to be something that I know that I know people would do for me, but I, I want to let that be known, you know, that support is free. Um mm-hmm. and you know, I think we should take advantage of of using these platforms to really help people that we feel like deserve an opportunity to be heard by a larger audience to get there. So it's really simple.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. Support is free. So definitely everybody, please support him. His music is amazing. Check out the EP, Kathy's Basement. Check out Who Hurt You. If you haven't seen Genius, um you could check that out as well and i know there's more things that are coming that you let us know about um so thank you so much cameron for coming on the total r podcast today and taking time out of your day to speak with me i really really do appreciate it and for everybody listening thank you so much we are a bi-weekly podcast so we will be back in two weeks with another interview thank you
1: love it